Amen. Rory Dyer is the guy you guys know. Eh? He talks about, he says, hey, God digs us. He loves us. And uh, I want to tell you, there, there are some incredible things that are coming for, for us in the coming time. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to say to you, uh, 1, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, have you got something, babe? I just, um, I was sitting here looking around as Kevin was praying, and I, I just felt like I wanted to honor a generation, an older generation of people that have been here for years and years and years. A friend of mine sent me a, um, a text yes, yesterday or the day before from Australia, and she said, I see you going to Zimbabwe, and could this be the moment where millions and millions of prayers are being answered for this nation? And um, I just looked around the room this morning, and I, I just felt to honor an, an older generation who have been here for years and years, who've stuck it out, and who have prayed, and have prayed, and have prayed. And this morning, I just feel like the Father say, please don't stop praying. Please continue to pray. But I see and I've seen you, and I know you, and I've heard your prayers, and they are all bottled, and I have them labeled, and you are going to see answers, and so thank you for them. That's brilliant, eh? We, we get to stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us, and there'll be those who stand on the shoulders of us who are going before others, and it's so important for us to be faithful in the moment. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, what time is I finished, bud? Close to 11 as possible, eh? 22. 22, 11. Great. Easy. Just help me, eh, babe? In, uh, in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, 1 Chronicles 12 is an amazing story to go and read. And I want to encourage any of you who love, like, adventure stories or war stories or stories about nations being established. What's happened is that David has been anointed as king when he was, when he was a lot younger. And uh, it's kind of from the time that he's anointed until this time, his life has just been chaos. A lot of it has been running away from the king he's been trying to serve. He's trying to kill him. He's so jealous of, of the anointing of God in his life and of the call. He's so threatened. He's trying to, he's trying to destroy him. And so David has been running around, and eventually this king Saul has blown it with God, and, and his kingdom is in the, in the state of a steady de decline. And what starts to happen is God starts to move the hearts of the mighty men who were once serving with this king Saul to come and join David. And they're coming determined to make him king. I mean, I, there's, there's some aspects to the story that kind of link with, with what Zimbabwe is facing at the moment. And, uh, and it just lists these men, these groups of men. Many of them are in tribes, and they're groups of men that have come. And, and the Bible describes some of the things that they did, just the most radical, radical things. I mean, just from a guy who's kind of walking along the one day on a snowy day, and there's this, this lion that's in this pit, you know, on a snowy day. I'm like, I'm walking past going, hey, thank you, Lord, for the pit, you know, that the lion can't get out. He's like, no, no, I'm going to get involved here. He jumps into the pit and sorts out the line, you know. Guys that are like with their bare hands ripping people to, to be. I mean, it's like, it's like the stuff that movies are made of. It's just the most incredible stuff, you know. 
And it really happened. It's not like, it's not like Braveheart kind of did this really happen, you know. But one of the groups of people that come are called the men of Issachar. Say men of Issachar. You guys are very subdued here, eh? You guys are very chilled here in Bulawayo, eh? Very chilled, eh? Say men of Issachar like it's, uh, like you, 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 men of Issachar. The men of Issachar. There we go. Now these guys, the Bible describes as, as men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And I feel like God wants you as his church. It's important for every one of us to be in that privileged position. Actually, in some ways, God wants us to be defined by the definition that was on the men of Issachar, that we would be the people, the men and the women, who understand the times, but not only understand the times, not only know how to read the times, but know what Israel or the church should be doing. And so I, I believe that there is, a, there is an incredible work that God is, is doing with you. Just, just to tell you, and you can verify this, I wish I'd actually written it down and I wish I'd dated it and timed it. But when I was praying for this time on Tuesday morning, we arrived here on Thursday morning, and some of the stuff kicked off on, on Wednesday night. It did, eh? It kicked off on Wednesday night. Was it Wednesday? It was early, early Wednesday morning that, that, that things kicked off. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. On Tuesday morning in Doha, Qatar. Not guitar. I felt like God, I was praying for this time, and I felt like God began to speak to me. I'm just going to read what I, what I wrote down this morning. I asked God how much longer the current situation in Zim was going to persist. I'm a South African, and my whole life, since 1971, I've grown up understanding that this is a nation that's under pressure. And through the years, I've had friends who've come from Zimbabwe. I've had the privilege of coming here once or twice. Vesi has rebuked me because I never came here for the gospel at all. The one was a trip on my way to Malawi, so I never came here. I was on my way to Malawi. And the other was to come fishing, because fishing is a very spiritual thing. Don't you agree? <laughs> Hallelujah. I wish you'd just teach Vessi that. I said to, he said to me, what would you like to do when you come? I said, I'd love to go fishing the one afternoon. He said, whatever. We're not going fishing. <laughs> They're going to take you to the falls. I said, well, that's a great, a great alternative. I said to God, how much longer? And I heard him whisper to me, not much longer. And I heard him speak to me that he was going to shift people aside. People, I've got to be careful because things are not settled yet. You've got to be careful what you say here. I'm going to move people aside that have stood in the way of his will prevailing in this nation. I believe the Lord has seen how men have insisted on seeking their own will. And acted like there is no God in heaven who in fact sees, who does hear, who is concerned, and who will come down. The nation of Zimbabwe is going to experience the intervention of the living God in her national affairs. Even today, now, today, Sunday, as men sit and deliberate and negotiate and insist on their will, God is going to come among them. And, on, and insist on his will. I saw the Lord putting down his foot with force and saying, enough. God says, I'm about to turn the lights on and expose what has been going on in the dark and in secret. I'm about to let the crafty schemers be caught in their own craftiness. 
as there have been seasons of the purging and removal of opponents on a human level, God says, I'm cleansing this land of wickedness, especially in the high places, and I'm removing those who have stood in opposition to me and my will. There are all kinds of scenarios, but God is insisting on another scenario that no one has considered, and it will be a scenario that reflects his will. That's what I felt God say. And Lord, would you do that? Why don't you close your eyes with me? And, you know, when the prophetic comes, if this is the prophetic, it'll have to be tested in time, and God will have to do this. So Lord, I thank you that if this is your word, I pray that not one of your words would fall to the ground. If these are my words, let every single one of them vanish like dew when the sun appears. But Lord, if this is your word, I pray that you'd fulfill it. And I declare that the will and the word of God would be established in the nation of Zimbabwe. Father, I pray that you would put, Lord, an amplifier not to my voice, but to your voice. I pray that your voice would thunder over the nation of Zimbabwe. I pray, Lord, where the lion has roared in this nation, the human lion has roared in this nation. I thank you that the lion of the tribe of Judah would roar. And all of the jackals and all of the hyenas and all of the foxes, Lord God, that have been rushing around and doing their thing would scatter in the name of Jesus and that the will of God would be established in Jesus' name. Isaiah chapter 58, if you've got your Bibles with me, why don't you turn with me? Because if this is true, if this is uh, the dawning of a new day, if this is a moment where God actually is doing something uh, that, that, that we need to understand the times that we're living in, there actually is a required response from the people of God at this time. And if we're not sharp, if we're asleep, if we are drunk, if we are, 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 are distracted, we'll miss this moment. And God will have to allow the, this nation to go through another cycle of what this nation has been through. Because not all of what happened in the last 37 years have necessarily been outside of the hand of God. God has had to allow certain things to happen to this nation because there were things that God needed to shake loose. There were things that needed to fall to the ground. There were walls that needed to be kicked over. There were things that needed to happen to bring His will and His purpose to bear. God has never been disinvolved or disconnected from what is going on in, in Zimbabwe. And that's a very difficult thing to understand because there have been atrocities and there have been things that have gone on. God has not been the author of all of the fires that have been lit and of all of the destruction that has come. But God actually wants us to understand that he's never, ever abandoned his people. There's always been a remnant of his people in this nation, like Nicole was saying, who've called on the name of the living God. who've called, said, God, would you come and have your way? Will you bring your will? Would you establish your kingdom in this nation? But friends, if we're asleep, and if we are anesthetized, and if we're drunk, and if we're distracted, actually we're going to miss the moment. And we'll get to heaven one day, and we'll get to heaven, we won't lose our salvation, but we'll live with years of weeping regarding having missed opportunities that God wanted for His church at this time, in this place, in this moment. And I felt like God speak to me on Tuesday when I was praying. I felt like God say this to me, out of that incredible prophetic word that He gave to me. He just spoke to me about the fact that I am going to change things. I am putting my foot down. I am saying this is enough. I am shifting people in high places. I am going to switch on the lights. I felt like God said, in the light of that, if that is true, here is a scripture that you need to share with them. And it's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12. There's an amazing context to this, and, and obviously it would be a great thing. I, I actually didn't read the context until this morning. 
But if you go and read the whole context of Isaiah chapter 58, it's an incredible, incredible con- uh, story. The context really is that the nation has turned away and they're getting in- involved in religious stuff. They're doing religious things, but actually, God, and one of those religious things is they fast. And God says, what is this fasting that you've done? You think that for a day you, you would cease from eating food and you think, and yet justice is not being done and the, the naked are not being clothed and the hungry are not being fed. And, and I want to show you what true fasting is about. But right at the end of this, this, this amazing portion of scripture, it says this about, and this is in the NIV, it says this, and I want to say this is for King's City Church here in Bulawayo. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, and raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets with dwellings. How's that for a job description? How's that for understanding something of the reason God caused this church to be planted? You know, God five years ago knew, six years ago knew, that this church needed to be planted because in 2017, the purposes of God were about to pop. And when they popped, when these things began to happen, God needed a people who would be ready to cooperate with them in his purposes and his plans. And I want to say to you, if there's, there's a big idea you need to walk away with this morning, is God has called, among other things, has called King City Church to be a Nehemiah people. Evesi, I believe that God has put something on your life of being someone who is like a Nehemiah. I feel like the anointing that God has put on your life is to be a builder, is to be a restorer, is to be somebody who will come in and take something not only in the lives of individuals, but in the lives of groups of people to see restoration come. And I feel like, as I said to you yesterday, I feel like you need to do just a fresh study on the book of Nehemiah. And I feel like God wants to take this church on a journey as you possibly dive into that incredible story, that there'll be things that God will speak to you about that, that will make you a Nehemiah people. And so you are a Nehemiah, and this is a Nehemiah people, and God has called you to be a restorer. He's called you to raise up the ancient foundation. He's called you to be the restorer of re- the breach, the gaps that have appeared in society, the gaps between races, the gaps between generations, the gaps between peoples, the gaps between economic uh, realities and people's lives. God's called you as a church to be the one who's going to bridge the gap. I think there's something quite prophetic about this venue. Let me just help you. This is not the bridge club. So when you talk about where you meet, don't say it's the bridge club. Say it's the bridge. We're meeting at the bridge. I know that might confuse some people. Which bridge? Which bridge is that? No, the bridge. Give them the street address. This is the bridge because there's something happening here of God bridging the gap. And people are going to come here, people who feel on the other side, they're going to come to the bridge. They're going to come to a people who are going to experience what it is to be brought over from the other side and brought into the reality. But you're a Nehemiah people. You're a people who are going to rebuild the ancient ruins. You see, there is something of the gospel that is deep in the soil of this nation. There were foundations that were laid in the soil of this ground, of of this nation that, that, that that are ancient, that God laid here. There were people here that cried out to God hundreds of years ago. They called on the name of the Lord. They invested themselves and invested all of what they had for the gospel's sake into the soil of this nation. And God is going to give you the ability to find the ancient ruins and to build on those foundations again, to raise up those foundations again, to bring uh, restoration to the walls that have fallen down, to actually repair the breach. 
to be the restorer of streets with dwellings. So I wish I had five points in a poem here, but I just want to read out just a prophetic word that I had for you as a church and then just make some quick comments. I believe the Lord is positioning His people in Zimbabwe in this time of significant change to be those that will be part of the project of rebuilding this nation. It's like the story of Nehemiah in the Bible. God is raising up a generation of people like Nehemiah that will work to see not only one city rebuilt, but a nation rebuilt. God is going to cause resources from, he from heathen for foreign kings to be released to resource the rebuilding of the walls of this nation. I just saw finances coming into this nation from nations around that have heard of the project of God's restoration that is happening here. Heathen kings that with, with, without, like almost out of their minds will give financially to what is being done here. God says you will repair the broken walls. You will raise up the old foundations. You will repair the gaps and you'll be the restorer of streets where people can live again. I hear the sound of many feet returning to Zimbabwe. Your willingness to stay, it's like everyone's going, but you're staying. I tell you, there's a sound of people coming back to this nation. I hear the sound of feet coming back to this nation. Your sons are coming from afar, and your daughters too. I hear the Lord blowing a trumpet and calling his sons and daughters from all the nations to return to this nation to help rebuild this nation. I see economists, I see business people, I see farmers, I see doctors, I see nurses, and I see educators returning to be part of the rebuilding of this nation. I see young people who have been, oh Lord, I see young people who have been sent to other nations to study returning in time to be part of this great restoration. I hear God saying this will not be a single generation that will be part of seeing the restoration of this nation. It will be two generations. I see God raising up young people with a, very with a very important role and mandate on their lives. God is going to raise up Zimbabwe as a testimony of what he can do with the nation. Where this nation, and please forgive me for this, because this might be an insult, and I don't mean it to be. Where this nation has been called the basket case of Africa, God says, I'm making you again to be the bread basket of Africa. King City Church, there is a specific role for you to play in the purposes of God in this nation. I saw a massive fireball coming from heaven and hitting King City Church and Bulawayo as a city. As it hit, I saw an explosion of fire that was driven by a wind from heaven, and this fire began to spread up and across into the rest of Zimbabwe. I saw this fire jumping across national boundaries, and I saw it affecting three nations north of Zimbabwe. I believe that King City Church is going to experience outpourings of the spirit that will be like explosive fire and that the, the gospel will spread like wildfire through the nation. I see that this soil is full of millions of seeds of God's intentions, of his promises and of his purposes that have been sown over the decades and even centuries. As the fire of God passes over them, they are going to germinate and burst into life. Zimbabwe will be green with the budding promises of God. God says, I want you to see and embrace the call that I have on this church. I've called you to be a catalyst, to be a place from which my fire spreads. You need to be preparing men and women to go 
and be the planting of the Lord for the display of my splendor right across this nation. I saw the enemy with his hand around the throat of the church in this nation. I saw the Lord coming to take the hand of the enemy off the throat of his church. And I hear him saying, it's, a time, it's the time to speak and it's the time to sing. It's the time to speak and it's the time to sing. It's the time to speak and it's the time to sing. It's the time to speak and it's the time to sing. I felt like God is going to cause a message to ring out from you that will impact this nation. I saw God raising up people who will preach. I also believe God is raising up young musicians and singers who will sing the songs of heaven. It's a time like never before to make room in your lives, you people who are singers of the songs of heaven, to allow God to inform and enlarge your theology. That's your view of God. I see lyrics and melodies and rhythms coming from heaven into your hearts, and I hear the sound of heaven's songs being sung. These songs will so resonate with the hearts of God's people, and they will have the additional ability to break open the hearts of the lost. They will have a sound that draws people in. God is going to cause a sound to be amplified from this place into the surrounding nations. Not only into the surrounding nations, but into the nations of the earth. I've hidden musical treasures in the soil of Zimbabwe that you will discover, polish, and that, you will be, that, and that will be heard by the world. God says, I want to resource you with all that you need. And something very practical. I just saw God gifting you with a music studio and with a film studio. The most incredible thing. I just saw it. I just saw, I saw someone is going to finance the building of, of, of a world-class music studio and a film studio. So Jesus, do it. See, there's a whole teaching that I don't have time to do right now on, on how we respond to a prophetic word. And that's something you need to do. Because I think sometimes the words of God fall to the ground, not because they're not the words of God, but because we don't know how to respond to the words of God. And so this, this thing, it's not a, a religious thing of yes, amen, or gee, I hope so. Let me just say something that God wants to break that's come out of a very real experience for people here in Zimbabwe. Because you've had your hopes dashed so many times. Even now, it's like, hey, but be careful what you say. Because actually, we've seen things come so close before, and then it never happens. It's like hope deferred has made your heart sick. And so what you become is you become cynical. You become unable to, to, to be full of hope. You're scared to be full of hope again. But I tell you, God is going to be the one who's going to author hope as he speaks his word, because if God is speaking these things, and Lord has a simple response, if you want to know his response is, Lord, if this is true, and if it's resonating with my heart right now, Lord, I want to say amen to that. And that word amen means so be it. That means I'm going to make room in my heart, I'm going to make room in my life, I'm going to make room in every area to say, Lord, you come and do what you're promising. Come and do everything. This is not the will of a man. This is, not the, this is the will of God. I had a conversation with this beautiful man here, Clive, yesterday morning having breakfast. And he spoke to me about a, a dream that God gave him of exactly what is happening right now. And I, I think if you start to speak to people, people have been having dreams. God has been speaking here in this nation. He's been speaking around the world about something of his intention. And I tell you what, actually in some ways the fire has started. And it's got to the point where it's uncontrollable already. Even in the hearts of people that are not God's people, there is hope has been set a light in people's hearts.
but the church has a role to play. And the question you need to be asking yourself is, Lord, if this is what you want to do, what is it that you want me to do? What part do you want me to play in that? How do you want me to respond? It's not same old, same old. It's not new for the sake of it being new. But we really need to be a people who pray the prayer, Lord, I understand what you're doing. I understand something of what you want to do. Now, Lord, show me what I need to do. I'm getting a picture of what the, what's going on. I understand my times. But, Lord, show me what I must do. Show us as a church what we must do. And as you go read in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, just three things if you go read that scripture. We don't have time to look at it now. Just, there are just some amazing lessons out of Nehemiah in being a people that are going to be builders. But I felt like God wanted to say that before you start to put your hand to building, these three things are very important. Let me just read the text. Nehemiah 1, 1 to 4. Now it happened in the month of Shizlev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the citadel, that Hanai, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped from, uh, who, and who had survived the exile concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And listen to his response. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I believe three things out of that scripture for you as a church. As you consider the reality of, of the, the devastation that exists in this nation called Zimbabwe. And I, I know I'm being a bit, I'm, I'm focusing on, on, on some of the realities that are negative. I think they're amazing realities. Like Nicole said, I mean, I come among you people and I just see the grace of Jesus all over your lives. I just see a company of people that have been planted by the Lord in this nation and you're just so full of grace. You've got so much to teach us about so many different things. I don't, I don't feel sorry for you in any way. I, I don't, in some ways, I, I see how, how the enemy has tried to disgrace and bring, bring shame and there is devastation and things are broken down. But I see the people of God shining in the midst of all of us. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So forgive me as I look at one aspect of the reality. But as you look at this, one of the things that God wants to do with you before you begin the work of restoration, of giving yourselves for the next two generations to seeing this nation rebuilt, is, is what we see here in his response. One that God would break your heart for the reality of what's going on. You know, sometimes when we go through tough things, our hearts can be hardened, but God wants to break our hearts. He wants us to weep with the tears that he weeps. And I'm learning how to stand under an open heaven and feel the warm tears of heaven drop on my heart. And I start to weep with the tears that Jesus weeps for people, for what's happened. I let the stories of what has gone on in people's lives start to affect me. I let it undo me in the way that it's undoing this man. And he weeps and he mourns for days. He's overcome with grief at the reality of what's gone on. Not only the loss in his life, but he's praying and he's, and he's weeping and he's, he's calling out and he's mourning because of what's happened for the people of God, what's happened for a whole nation. Second thing that you see here is that God wants to lead us out of those times of weeping and mourning into a time of fasting. And fasting is, is a time where you, where you actually you get down to the place where you really are saying, I want, to, I want to rob myself of things that have become too important 
to get hold of the thing that is most important. The thing that happens in fasting is that we begin to see Jesus in a fresh way. It's like we're shutting down our other appetites and we're letting the appetite for God and what He wants be uh, awakened in us again. I feel like God wants to give a fresh desire. I think some of the things that we've become, we've become uh, satisfied on, the, the, the fast food of the, of the earth that we become satisfied on, that we struggle to sit at the banquet table of our King that He's setting for us. And God wants to give to us the ability to, to say no to some things for a season, to, to, to rob our lives of some of the luxuries and some of the things that, that we sometimes fill our lives with, to say, Lord, I, I want to I I have my desires sharpened. I want to have my desires honed. And then lastly, that it will lead you into times of prayer and intercession. I think one of the things that, that is going to define you as a church in the coming days, if you're going to live in the purposes of God, is one of the things that will define you is that you won't just be a church that prays, but that you'll be people that are defined by prayer. And you know, I watched this morning, and I watched this thing around the world. You know, when you have the opportunity to pray, how scared people are to pray, how quiet people are in a public setting. And that often is indication of what's happening in their private lives. And we need to learn, as I stood here just listening, it's not a criticism, but I want to encourage you to be someone who becomes defined by prayer, that you receive the invitation to become somebody who is who is coming before this incredible king. In Hebrews, when it says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, not only for our own lives, but for the, for the, for the lives of people who don't yet know him. That part of why God has put you in this nation, why you're still here, is actually that you are interceding on behalf of God. You're just interceding on behalf of the people before God. You're saying, God, I'm standing before you on behalf of these people. I'm asking you, God, that you would break in for the nation. Because one of the cruelest judgments that could ever happen to this nation if God were to remove every single one of his children and that the cry coming from the hearts of his people for this nation would cease. That God would no longer be involved in this nation at all. And God's going to raise you up as a people who know how to pray who know how to call on the living God, who know how to say, God, we're trusting you. That's part of what it's going to mean to be a Nehemiah people, that your hearts would be undone, that you would learn how to fast, not just fasting food, but fasting things that have become more important, and that you become a people of intercession and prayer. That's what it's going to mean practically, in the little way of being a Nehemiah people. But friends, I want to say, I'm, in some ways, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. You might be jealous of us living in Qatar at the moment, and there's all kinds of stuff happening in the region we're living, and I watched the news last night, I thought, oh, maybe I don't go back, eh? Just tell the children to come, because there's all kinds of lines being drawn at the moment. Saudi Arabia, what's going on there, and how that's affecting us, and what's happening in, in, uh, in Iran, and we're right in between. I don't share my wife's crazy thinking. I'm not a nurse, so she's happy she can be a nurse there. I'll go back to South Africa and do some fishing. Thank you very much. Eh? <laughs> I'm not keen to be involved, eh? We were in Australia recently, and I, I actually had a dream. I woke up with a dream, vivid, vivid dream of, uh, of bombs landing right next to our house and, uh, and us leaving the city trying to go through these gates. Most bizarre thing about the dream. In the dream, I sat in a car, I just need to go get something, and I go back into the house and I get my golf clubs. It's the most bizarre thing. <laughs> and as I'm grabbing my golf clubs, I, I, like I hear the Lord saying to me, what are you doing? Golf clubs. It's like, I kind of woke up looking at my golf clubs. You're in danger, boys. Be careful. <laughs> the Lord's got his eye on you. This, this is trouble here. But jokes aside, hey, we are living in such exciting times. Eh? 
the people of God are going to shine brighter than ever before. Deep darkness is filling the earth. But behold, his light is beginning to shine on us and we're beginning to arise. God's raising his people up. It's a time, friends. Not a time to be drunk. Not a time to be asleep. Not a time to be distracted. It's a time to say, hey, Lord, you're coming. You're doing some things here. Amen. So why don't we stand? There's an amazing thing in the book of Job where, where Job is he's in trouble. He's in real trouble. And his life has is, is been devastated. And he's got these friends who are telling him what to say, you know, or you know, giving him advice. They're called Job's friends. I think they should be called Job's non-friends, you know. And then this young guy called Elihu says an incredible thing. He says, I thought that age should speak. So he hasn't said anything because he's the youngest of Job's friends. See, because I thought that wisdom came from many years of experience. And there is something that comes from, there's a form of wisdom that comes from having lived life. But he says an incredible thing. He says, but I've realized that wisdom comes from the breath of the Almighty. When God begins to speak, actually the wisdom of God begins to break in. You might not know God's voice very well, but you know, it's, we were born to understand the voice of God. We were born to, to know what God sounds like. And when we hear the sound, we're, we're able to say, I don't understand all the implications, but I know it's you. And so one of the incredible things when someone comes and knocks on your door, the first thing you say is, who is that? I tell you, when you hear his voice, it's like it doesn't matter what he's coming with you know it's going to be good it's not only going to be good for you it's going to be good for, you, good for your family it's going to be good for your marriage it's going to be good for your church it's going to be good for your nation it's going to be good and he's going to glorify himself through it he'll receive the honor he'll receive the praise There's nothing more tragic than, than leaving Jesus out in the cold. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He doesn't, he doesn't sulk. He doesn't get angry. But I think he weeps. Eh? He weeps when he stands at the door of your life and he stands at the door of this church and we leave him out in the cold. And Jesus today, just where you are, you just, however you open your life to Him, it might be raising your hands, it might be just, could be kneeling, anything, anything you feel, is it just, Lord, this is me saying to you, this is us saying to you, we want you to please come in. We want you to please come in. We've heard the knocking on the heart of this church, we've heard you knocking, Lord, and requesting. I mean, it's crazy, Jesus, that you, the King of Kings, don't kick the door open, don't demand access, but you request access. It's so humbling, Lord, that you would request access into the heart of this church. And God, there's something in our hearts that rushes down the stairs, flings open the door and says, Jesus, please come in. We've been waiting for you. And Lord, I thank you that you would king, come into King's City Church. 
Every city has gates. And Lord, like in the Psalms, we say, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong in battle. Lord, we lift up our heads, we lift up our gates, we fling open the doors, and we welcome you in. This is your church. This is your church. Come and have your way here. God, I thank you for every single one of the purposes and plans that you're speaking over this church, that not one of them would fall to the ground. I thank you, Lord, that you would begin to write out the checks that would result in the, in the resources of heaven being released so that this church can do everything that you've called her to be and to do. I thank you, Lord, that you would provide supernaturally because it's the only way that you can do it in this nation. I pray, Lord, that you would bring, as it were, Lord God, the ravens who would come, Lord God, with the bread, that you would supply a brook for this church, Lord God, that there would never be a lack of water and of food, Lord God, not only to feed themselves, but to feed the nations. I thank you that the rivers of living water would flow out of individuals and out of this church for the glory of your name. Thank you, God, that you will resource it. You will resource it. This won't be the resourcing of men. This will be your resourcing. And I thank you, Lord, that even in the next six months, there are going to be some moments of supernatural supply that are going to leave this church absolutely blown away at your goodness. In the next six months, I feel like there are three occasions where there will be supernatural supply that will blow your minds, that will show you that God is underwriting everything that He wants to do in this place. I believe the Lord's saying, Vessi, I found in you the heart of a man, a man whose heart is so incredibly committed to the purposes of God, so diligent around making sure that, that God is honored and that His purposes are honored. And God says, I'm beginning to enlarge you, Vessi. I'm beginning to put my hand deep within you. And I'm giving you even more space. That big heart you have is going to even become bigger. I'm going to give you a bigger heart for the nations. I'm going to give you a bigger heart for the people of this nation. And I'm going to cause you to be resourced. I'm going to cause you to be strengthened. I'm going to cause you to know the wisdom of God. I see God giving you words to speak, Vessi, that you'll stand up like a statesman. And as you begin to speak, you'll speak into situations and people will listen to what you're saying. I see you standing in places of influence and people who are people of influence opening their ears to listen and giving attention to what it is that God has given you to speak. I see God giving you favor with the church in Zimbabwe. You're going to have the ability to, to bring people together around the table. And God says, I'm going to cause many streams to become one stream in this nation. That my glory will be known. That people will drink of something that is pure. So God, these things, they're so big, they're so beyond us. We ask you, please, Lord, to help us. I feel like sometimes, Lord, I speak like a madman. As I say things that are impossible that are way beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. But God, if this is you, if this is you, we say amen. Why don't you just say amen with me? Amen. Amen, Lord God. Amen and amen, Lord God. So be it. Amen, Lord. Amen to you, Lord, and everything that you're doing. I pray that our finances would say amen. I pray, Lord, that our marriages would say amen. I pray, Lord, that our homes would say amen. I pray, Lord God, that our sexuality would say amen. I pray, Lord God, that every part of our lives 
the spending of our time, we'd say, Amen, Lord God. We say, Amen to you, Lord. Amen. So be it, Lord God. So be what you want. Your will on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen.